Hi, and welcome to the Clean Living Podcast, hosted by me, Sophie, co-founder of Kin Living. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Lily Hirasawa, founder of Yumchi Kimchi, about all things fermentation, mental well-being, and gut health. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Lily. Thanks so much for joining me today. How are you? Hi, Sophie. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. It's really great to be here. And I'm very well, thank you. Really excited to be sharing more about kimchi with your audience. We're excited to have you on here. So why don't we dive in? So I think a lot of people might have heard of kimchi or sort of have a vague idea of what it is. But for people who have never heard of it or never had it before, can you explain what it is? Yes, of course. So kimchi is the national dish of Korea and it is a fermented food. So it's really good for your gut. It's it's a little bit like sauerkraut that most people will be more familiar with, where the typical version of kimchi is cabbage that is brined. And then unlike sauerkraut, it is fermented further with other ingredients like chili, salt, ginger, garlic, often fish sauce. Our kimchi at Yamchi, which I am the founder of, is vegan. So we use fruits as our base. And it is a lacto-fermentation process where the good bacteria will break down the sugars in the dish and create lactic acid, which is really good for your health and unlocks the nutrients in, in the cabbage and in the fruit. Yeah, and it's it's typically eaten at every meal in Korea. I grew up with it as a kid. Actually, it was the only vegetables that my parents could get me to eat. <laughs> oh, nice. It's also really big in Japan. Is it? Yes. So I'm, I'm half Korean, half Japanese, and I mostly grew up in Japan. But my mother is Korean and... Our recipe is one that is passed down through mothers and daughters and women in the neighborhood. So that is a big part of kimchi as well, is the community of women that is around this amazing dish. I really love that. But um, I'm really, I didn't, I don't know, I was supposed to be ignorant, but I didn't know it was popular in, in Japan as well. I mean, I assumed they had it, but I didn't know it was popular in the same way as it would be in, in Korea. Yeah, well, it's really interesting. I guess, you know, food cultures tend to, you know, move around, but there's a lot of Korean immigrants in Japan and you can get Korean barbecue pretty much anywhere. And Japan is super into fermented foods. It's the biggest functional food market in the world. Everyone is very obsessed with health and, and how certain ingredients can be used and eaten for specific health health reasons like reducing cardiovascular disease and it's well-known statistic that Japanese life expectancy is very long too oh wow and there's lots of ferments yeah lots of fermented food in Japan gosh yeah Honestly, I've always wanted to go to Japan. I really hope once this pandemic is over, I can actually get there. Gosh, I know. I feel like everyone had it on their bucket list for a while. And right now as well, the cherry blossoms are in full bloom. I spoke to my dad yesterday and they are 10 days early. Every Japanese person knows when exactly the cherry blossoms are in full bloom in their area and across Japan because we have a cherry blossom weather report. That's amazing. <laughs> so yeah I'm, I've been thinking about it as well I do miss it where in Japan did you grow up so uh, my dad is from 
the north of Japan called Niigata, where there's a lot of skiing. Actually, Japan is also famous for its powder snow, and there's a lot of Australians who come up and ski there. So my dad is from up north, and then, but I'm was born near the senior Tokyo in Chiba and my mother lives in Tokyo in a very busy part of town called Shinjuku. Oh cool. Yeah and they're supposed to have their Olympics (laughs) but it's being obviously postponed and I heard they're going to do it this year actually but. Yeah it's pretty bad luck wasn't it? Such bad luck. And great thing about food, especially, I think, is that you can bring that culture to your home, which I love, especially now during this pandemic. It's obviously so many restrictions on travel and and rightly so. And a lovely way to bring that travel into your own home is, I think, through your own cooking and using exotic ingredients. And I think that's really can feed your wanderlust. Oh, definitely. And also, I think it um, it really helps like around the holiday season. So with Christmas or with Easter coming up now, I, I know that my fiance is going to be cooking lots of lovely Polish treats. And it's just nice that even though we can't get there to see his family, we can still actually have some sort of family food as well and, and feel connected without sadly being able to actually get there. Mm, definitely. So important to do that. Are you having like pierogies and everything? <laughs> yeah. And an abundance of eggs. Abundance of eggs. <laughs> so many deviled eggs. I don't think I'd eaten a deviled egg before I met him. <laughs> what a classic dish. It's so good. Oh, I do love eggs. I love fresh eggs. Oh, same, honestly. I, I could just boil them and just eat them like that. <laughs> Me too. I love one of my favourite things is eggs and soldiers. Oh my God, same. That is my favourite meal. <laughs> It's so good. It's so delicious. And you know what? Kimchi goes really well with eggs. It does. Yeah. So you could get that like gut health kick in the morning. And anything that's fatty, the acidity of the kimchi just cuts through that and like provides this really nice balance, like lemon. And it's just a really nice way to start the day, I think, with with avocado also. Although, yes, responsibly sourced. Um, interestingly, like I'm talking about bringing family food culture into your own home when you can't travel. When I started cooking Asian food, that was also I had travel restrictions then. I was stuck in the UK with my residency application. I don't have a passport. And I really missed home. And especially at the time, my aunt passed away. We were very close. And she loved kimchi and she like she was a really great cook she used to work in a cafe and I grew up with her because my mom was working a lot so I stayed like all my holidays with her and really unfortunately when she passed away I couldn't go back so until this point I had cooked mostly European food and that's my training is at Leith School of Food and Wine in London which is an amazing school and but yeah, that's when I started cooking Asian food because I just wanted to be closer to how I'm like connected to my culture. So food really is this wonderful, uh, I think, spiritual and like powerful media to connect. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's such a, a comfort thing. I know when um, my great grandmother passed away, I mean, she was um, French and we just used to cook so many of her recipes because as you say it just makes you feel closer to the, these people again that you can't necessarily be with. And um, I'm really sorry you couldn't get back for the funeral. That sucks. 
Oh, thank you. It was really difficult. One of those things. And, and, and right now it really like the empathy I feel for everyone who can't see with their, see their family has been really difficult, of course, but you do get through it. And cooking is also so connected to memory, isn't it? And food and smell. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? You get a certain scent of something just coming up and it just takes you back to, I don't know, when you were like five years old and someone in your family was doing something. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? I can just transport you totally it's, it's a time machine if there was one <laughs> yeah and I, th- I think it's so sweet as you say it's like a time machine and then with the the kimchi as you mentioned you know when, when you're making it it's it's something passed down through through the women and, and through generations it's almost like a little time machine recipe going through the family line which is just so lovely to think that maybe your great great grandmother was also using that kind of recipe before totally it's really um empowering I think and I feel good just knowing that I'm preserving a tradition which is I think a lot of I mean if probably all fermented foods actually uh, they're like pockets of tradition that's been handed down through generations because they're mostly artisanal foods uh, like cheese and wine and I don't know like yogurt (laughs) but like it's (laughs) It's all just like so much culture um, and that's being passed down. So I, I'm loving this food fermentation revolution that's going on in the world where everyone is making it in their own homes and, and supporting diverse food culture and and small producers everyone is buying direct now and they're more conscious about where their food comes from and I think even though the pandemic has been such a painful transformation of the world like this is definitely a positive element that's come out of it definitely and um yeah I think I think it's so everyone's getting into this sort of fermentation of the food but I think again like with some people they might not necessarily understand fully why it's good or I know that some people are actually put off by the idea of fermented food but it's so healthy for your gut and also having like good gut health is linked to having good mental health so yes it's really exciting the research that's coming out of that field of microbiology and then also connected to psychology and your nervous system and how your exactly digestive health is so so the three big systems in your body is your cardiovascular system System, your nervous system and your digestive system and this new scientific research that's really blown up and that we're really you know hearing about all the time now about gut health and it's it's so trending but I really also believe in it because it, it's scientifically backed and also it's such an ancient tradition as well like I just believe it's been around forever and like we didn't really invent fermenting it just probably happened you know someone probably just left out some old milk (laughs) and we're like oh that tastes quite good (laughs) I might do that again (laughs) exactly um but yeah we're super into mental health at Yamshi I'm really uh very interested in it and the the relationship between your gut and your brain is so intricately connected through your digestive system so your intestines hold the same amount of nerve endings as your spinal cord which is just this insane piece of information that really blew my mind yeah and a lot of your weight is the bacteria that 
lives in your gut and we aren't just this one solid entity as human beings we house so many bacteria within us that keep us alive and they're constantly communicating with our brain and affect our mood and all those idioms and sayings about trust your gut and and butterflies in your gut are really actually like something I think human beings have known intuitively perhaps we didn't know the science behind it and now it's all coming to light and I absolutely just love that no I think it's so interesting and it's it's really amazing as you say that that we're just learning so much more about our bodies but at the same time intuitively for for years and you know generations people did have this vague idea about these sort of things being connected and you you read things from I said the, the ancient Greeks that would talk about the humors that you had and it's just really interesting to see that actually okay while it comes around and it's not that you have these three humors but you actually have a much more intricate system but then it sort of all does in a way connect back to these original ideas and thoughts that you know what you're eating and how you're treating your body is actually incredibly important as well yeah and and I think instead of uh we were going in a direction of treating the symptoms and not the cure I still believe in like medicine (laughs) And everyone should definitely go to hospitals <laughs> when they need it. Uh, but the the prescription of pharmaceuticals can be detrimental, uh, especially for mental health. And I think with food and, and nutrition, and, and it's really interesting to see like how it's developed. I, I was so interested in it when I was at cooking school, and it really propelled me towards the working in an organic industry in London. And I do know, I do remember quite distinctly that People were a bit skeptical about uh, nutrition and and so scientific in people's minds, bit of a fluffy subject. Uh, but then again, I think about how psychology was viewed in exactly the same way back in the seventies. So it's really encouraging to see um, how it's developing. It really is, and as you say, there are streams of medicine today that, as, as you say, back in the day, people just thought people were insane to even think this way <laughs> like what are you doing absolutely like surely you need, no you need to leech this woman and bleed her <laughs> <laughs> exactly gosh lock them up <laughs> they're suffering from hysteria oh gosh hysteria <laughs> the uh, hormones kick in around the time of the month i probably would have been locked away i definitely appreciate a more free-thinking creative space and I hope that yes our company is definitely one of those which provides a safe space for people who aren't perhaps just fits into the mainstream fermented food culture I I remember one of the first books I read was by Sandor Katz who is like the godfather of fermentation and modern fermentation culture you can follow him on Instagram and he wrote a book called Wild Fermentation, which just absolutely was such a game changer for me because he wrote about how eclectic its community was and his story is super inspiring. He was very ill from medical treatments for HIV, I think it was, and he that killed all the good bacteria in his gut and one of the only things that helped him heal was was to eat probiotic foods that re-established the microbiome in a healthy state and he really recovered and, and he makes his own miso and his own ferments and that's really interesting your first immune system that you inherit as a baby 
is actually a, a culture of bacteria that you you get from your mom when she gives birth to you. So it's really interesting to uh, learn about things like colonization resistance, where basically if you have lots of good bacteria, it, it forms this army that can ward off the rogue bad guys. But if you wipe them all out, then then it's ground zero and, and the bad ones can just multiply at a, at a higher rate. So you, you do get ill. Gosh, that's a, quite worrying to think, isn't it? I remember actually I got a food poisoning in Mexico. My uncle took me to this restaurant where a bit dubious of the cleanliness of it, and I was probably right to be. And uh, yeah, I had such bad food poisoning. And I went to a, just like a, a not a nat- naturopath, but just, a, you know, like a natural food store. And they encouraged me to have kombucha, which wasn't really a thing at the time. And I remember it just smelled so badly of like feet. I'm so glad that people have started with kombucha than what they were selling originally. But it really did after um, after a while having the kombucha and they, they also gave me some other uh, fermented, I can't remember what it was, maybe like, I can't remember what else they gave me, but just fermented things. And I felt so much better after a week or so. It was quite crazy how quickly. Gosh, that's so interesting. Yeah, and uh, it really was just like, oh, wow, okay. Because I've been feeling so rough for like two weeks since I got back from Mexico. But it was really amazing how quickly it worked. And also, yeah, whenever I'm sick and I've had some, say, pills or whatever, my fiance is always like, okay, now you need to eat fermented food. Yeah, that's very, that's very smart of him. I approve. <laughs> I always feel better after a miso soup, and I always feel better after eating kimchi. Yeah, we actually um, we make miso as a hangover treat. Yeah, totally. It helps. It's amazing. It definitely helps. So actually, um, one thing I wanted to know was because I think a lot of people would have heard of you know obviously um, kimchi and things like that, but what else is popular to ferment in Korea that people might not have had or in Japan that people might not have tried but people should uh so I think to ferment these would be a bit tricky I I did make it with my mom for example uh kochujang which is this fermented chili like caramel paste and it's super delicious uh and as with kimchi which is yeah passed down through mothers and daughters which I learned from my mum uh we made gochujang together and that was really just labor intensive so I don't recommend it but it is fermented and it is delicious so I do recommend having it in your pantry and other Korean barbecue condiments which kimchi is often eaten with it is samjang and dengjang miso paste which are also Korean and yeah they're soy based and a bit like uh, Japanese miso but sweeter yeah and I just love having them with like a bit of lettuce or adding them to a salad dressing it just makes it all perk up I posted an infographic the other week about um it was like a cool map of fermented foods around the world and yeah my favorite is probably miso though because uh, you can use it in in any cooking and it's so versatile I actually visited the oldest miso makers in Japan which is based in Aichi it's just this ancient kind of huge 
space where they just have these like two ton wooden barrels to ferment the miso and it's fermented for like up to three years and they've been using the same set like they don't wash it with any kind of like detergent so so it still has all the bacteria that's just been like there throughout all the generations and, and it's really old it's like 700 years old it's just this incredible family business as well and it's a black miso so in terms of miso like you could get white one red one and black ones and the first white is like up to three months a bit sweeter and you can marinate fish with it and it's used for cooking a lot it's a bit sweeter it's less fermented and then there's the red miso and then there's the black miso which is this really old it's called hacho miso from aichi but the red miso is is often used as a soup base and then the black miso also is a soup base but there's a traditional recipe uh for you know like the katsu japanese dishes where like it's like cutlet breaded and and fried which is super delicious i love them <laughs> they do like a dipping sauce for that with this black miso which is absolutely delicious oh my god i'm, I'm getting so hungry listening to you <laughs> <laughs> This is making me hungry to go back to Japan. I fortunately can go if I, if I really uh, want to, but it's so far away. At least you can go. I've just sat here like, please open. Yeah, so those are the fermented. And then, I mean, there's so many, I guess, like sake. And I think it's it's just nice to, like, uh, obviously we are a health food brand at Yamchi with kimchi, but I think for us, what's really important is a culture of inclusivity. And also we really, in terms of mental health, just want people to respect their own pace and not be too strict with themselves, not be too hard on themselves. It's really about balance. And also stress is just so bad for your health so bad for your gut. You don't absorb the nutrients in the same way because your body goes into a flight or fight mode and you just store fat like immediately so I just think it's really important to have a balance of you know enjoying life and also supporting your body so that it's healthy balancing it with exercise even just like a walk I think I'm I'm loving that people are doing so much more outdoors yeah and like getting into nature I was just talking to someone who said that the sales of suits has gone down by like 70 percent I actually can't remember the last time I saw someone in a suit no that's true me either it also seems nice that people are thinking about taking care of themselves better and the food that they're eating as well yeah and it has I guess interest in sort of kimchi and fermented food has probably gone up hasn't it because people have a bit more time to even discover it yes definitely uh people definitely have more time and i think people are getting used to having more time at the beginning of the lockdown it was all about okay yeah i'm gonna like learn another language and pick up a new skill and um like staying busy 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 but we've kind of um evolved into a new space of okay well I don't have to be doing like 12 hours a day and I will have a productive couple of hours and then I will spend some of my afternoon in the garden uh refresh uh bake or cook or do some gardening or go for a run and I think that's really a positive change and shift as well and with the 
the mindfulness aspect with meditation and it's it's really encouraging to see that everyone is because that's all about being comfortable with being still I think and not placing your sense of worth in like achievements and like glamorizing being busy yes because I think people were really sort of wearing their burnout as a badge of honor at one point it was you know, boasting about how busy they always were. And then they, you know, have burnout and get stressed and disappear off the face of the earth. Yeah, it's just like everyone was going at a thousand miles an hour and for like no reason really, like not for the benefit of their health. And I think, yeah, the the paradigm shift is that like having, becoming aware that your sense of self-worth is within you rather than outside of you. As you say, it's nice to see that, that people realize it's not just about the accolades that you can line up on your shelf it's sort of about it's more about the memories that you have with people and with yourself at the end of the day it's um you know you can't take your trophies to the grave to be really deep <laughs> oh yeah totally well I actually I definitely have had like this obsession with the concept of time and just like how you can get the most out of your life and not just not in like a material sense but just in more in terms of personal fulfillment yeah and that really ties into the idea of fermentation for me uh because you, you it's not something uh dramatic that happens during the fermentation process as you know from making kimchi um that you just have to like it's very simple you like slice the vegetables you fry them and then you like mix them all together and like just leave it and you just like let it be and you don't notice the change that's happening every day and I think that's the beauty of it is that like this idea of slow and steady progress is so valuable and uh, ends up being this beautiful product at the end of it just like I think any any life uh, just the the little parts that go unnoticed are so important yeah they, they really are yeah so I actually um I saw as well that because didn't you train as a, a lawyer to start with? Yes, I did. Really interesting um, sort of route to go down. Uh, yes, uh, not so intentional from the start <laughs> that way. But uh, I guess I was always actually interested in psychology, actually. And I, I was going to do it at university. But then um, my careers advisors and also coming from an East Asian background I had a lot of family pressure to go into certain job fields like law finance being a doctor being an architect those are like that's like the four professions that were that qualified as a job in my family and 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 in the end I I I was accepted into UCL law and being such a prestigious great school I I went into that, channeled into that. And I don't regret doing the law degree. And I, and I have like a lot of respect for everyone who goes through the training process. It's so, it's so long and it's such hard work. <laughs> uh, but my heart was just not in it. And, and after university, I thought I would take a gap year for myself. But being 
an overachiever <laughs> as I am I was like I'll just go to cooking school for a year and just work really intensely in that so I went to Leeds and then that just completely changed my life I guess because I was surrounded by people who were so passionate I love people who work in food they are a little bit mad and very passionate and very like sensual and connected to nature and I just loved their um I just loved how interested they were and what they were doing and which was quite different I think from my university experience and then it just rolled into like 10-year dive into the London food scene working in catering and in restaurants and also like health food deliveries and startups and I just yeah I loved it I didn't really um, stay anywhere too long term but then I moved to San Francisco for a summer and that also was a huge influence on my life being around all the the tech startups and that was really exciting and I think I'd always wanted to have my own business because my mom has always been self-employed and it's just been around me I guess you just pick up what your family structure is like and I saw that to be more normal and I was always interested yeah in entrepreneurship and then yes I I I came back to the UK wanting to want to be wanting to be part of this movement of progressing uh, humanity I suppose like civilization and and just I had this whole San Francisco like (laughs) dreaminess in my head (laughs) um but yeah and then and then and then my aunt passed away so that really actually brought me back to this ground zero where I was pretty disillusioned um but then uh started cooking her food it it, uh inspired me to pursue my own heritage um and have a, a sense of identity that was more connected until this point because I had moved from Japan when I was five I lived in Hong Kong and and then I came to the UK when I was nine I had two lives and I felt quite split amongst them and I think it was that that incident that just completely tore my life apart but then rebuilt it in this really amazing way where I could live a more authentic life and I really just felt this need to uh, pursue and share like my my identity and my heritage and, and that's where Buddhism comes in and, and I was practicing a lot of yoga back then uh, but then I had my back so I got into meditation and to be honest like the master's in Buddhism at Soas University wasn't really uh, a career-based decision I just was really drawn to the ideas behind mindfulness and uh, actually more more about yoga, but the the curriculum just seemed more comprehensive in, in Buddhism at the time for me. And yeah, I'm like just so lucky to have studied it. Uh, it actually is super helpful with trying to build a business because it is mentally 
challenging I'm sure you would agree yeah it really is there are some days where you just think oh god like I stuff it I'm gonna I'm gonna go work in an office <laughs> exactly it's just really uh helps to ground me uh when I feel down or I think every uh business owner goes through this up and down emotional state of oh wow I'm a genius to like oh my god I really screwed up my life <laughs> like what on earth am I doing why did I do this exactly exactly what do they say they say like oh if you work for yourself you'll never work a day in your life because you're having so much fun and it's like actually you work so much <laughs> exactly and then it's like you go on holiday and your partner's like oh I did some time off and you're like cool I'm gonna just open my laptop and do some emails <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah the emails just like don't stop coming never and you end up with so many different accounts because at first you're the only person there so you're like okay I'll do customer service and I need to do orders and I need to do this and your phone's just always like ping 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 mm, exactly um I definitely try to be better with my like digital engagement like my uh taking time off digital detox like here and there when I can Especially in the mornings. Uh, but yeah, you do have to warn people because some people do feel neglected or upset. And I'm like, no, I just like, I'm, I'm finding, I find it difficult to multitask or like I don't get the most productivity out of myself if I'm distracted. And I, I, it's important to, I think, like get things done efficiently. Yeah, yeah I agree. So I think actually to just, round it off what would you recommend someone who's never tried kimchi before how should how would you recommend that they try it do you recommend they should just get a jar and shove a fork in and go for it or cook it into into <laughs> gosh um yeah I think that would be a bit intense I suppose also it depends on their tolerance for spice mm. if you're used to eating spicy food and like love that sour tanginess then you can just go straight in there but I would recommend for first timers perhaps to try it with some hummus or like some eggs or some cheese is really nice like a melted like grilled cheese and kimchi is absolutely delicious also like kimchi quesadillas is something that has really been popular with our clients during testing periods like samples yeah but it's it's really versatile so you can also cook with it like it goes really nicely in soup that might mellow it out uh especially yeah if you can make like kimchi pancakes as well savory pancakes with like a black vinegar dipping sauce that sounds so good can you just come and cook for me <laughs> <laughs> i would love to i wish we could like see each other and like be in you know meetings and things uh it would be great and um, I'm really looking forward to the day that that comes hopefully soon and but in the meantime we do have lots of recipes uh on our website which is yumshi.co and our Instagram showcases a lot of uh amazing recipes and images that our customers have posted and we've reposted on uh 
yamchi kimchi so definitely check that out yeah i'll uh, I'll definitely link to it in the show notes and honestly the the instagram account i just i can't look at it when i'm hungry because i'll just go to the supermarket and buy everything i suppose i need to make (laughs) now (laughs) it's quite tricky actually working in food when you're like yeah exactly hungry and then you're just doing some work but you're constantly peckish because <laughs> I always find like if I try it I try to uh, make some recipes once again to go on the blog and I was just eating them as I was making them I was like oh god <laughs> <laughs> well at least you know it's delicious <laughs> that's true it's, it's uh <laughs> if there's none left to photograph at the end I've done a good job <laughs> well thank you so much for joining me today Lily it was so nice to have you on the show oh thank you it's been so nice yeah to be on here thank you so much honestly I am so hungry after talking about kimchi and all of the delicious recipes that Lily's created for them as for kimchi as well um, one thing that I really loved was this idea of this practice of fermentation and making kimchi as being something that's passed down from woman to woman and I just, I think that's such a lovely part of the story and um, I really just can't wait also to try some more of the fermented foods from Asia that Lily mentioned. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Clean Living Podcast and if you did, it would be amazing if you could leave a review and share the podcast with your friends. If you'd like to ask any questions or want a specific topic discussed, then just drop me an email at podcast at kin-living.com. And you can find my company, Kin, on Instagram at kin underscore living. And if you'd like to follow me, you can find me over on at clean living lux. If you'd like to give Lily's company a follow, head to Yumchi Kimchi. And as always, I've linked to everything in the show notes. Bye for now.